0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: you live from the EAL radio show studio in St. Augustine, Jacksonville, Florida. Thanks for listening to Eastern Airlines Talk Radio. My name is Neil Holland, the producer of the show, and we have a great show for you tonight. And to all the listeners around the world, we say a special welcome. Hello,
2: Eastern family and friends. Great having you with us. My name is Chuck Albright. Coming to you, five beautiful villages in the Florida area, where the weather right now is around 73 degrees. We had some rain today, so our golf cart guys are out there still knocking the little white ball around. Welcome and thank you for listening, and calling the show. You have truly made the radio voice of Eastern Airlines. In fact, we can now say we became Eastern. Airlines' international radio show with over 50 countries listed in. We'd love to hear your comments and share your memories with the radio listeners from around the world during the broadcast. If you haven't called the show before, all you need to do is call 213-816-1611 and just say hello and talk to us on the air. You'll be live. We can identify with many Countries around the world who listen in with our Blog Talk radio application. Isn't it great that we can keep our Eastern legacy going out not only to the Eastern family, but to listeners from many different countries from around the world? That's what we try to do every week on the EAL radio show. Won't you join us by adding your voice to the broadcast? And our thanks also for those who choose to listen by computer using our radio icon on their home page at www.ealradioshow.com, or perhaps by signing in on the site of our provider, Blog Talk Radio, at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie. Remember to abbreviate the word Captain to C-A-P-T. Should you wish to talk during our live broadcast, feel free to use our call-in number. 213-816-1611 at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Let me repeat the number so you can write it down for your Monday night visits. 213-816-1611. By the way, we want you to tell your friends about us. Don't forget, you can listen to any of our 416 Monday night broadcasts and 75-plus Thursday broadcasts by simply going to blogtalkradio.com Forward slash Captain Eddie. That's Captain Eddie, and scroll down through the archives. Each episode is briefly described. We're getting close to 500 episodes. Holy blue Sunoco, as Jim Hart would say. Our lines are always open for calls. And if you choose not to participate and talk live with our host, we ask you to please mute your phone as our producer does not have the capability of follow- Filtering out background noises. I see we're number one for takeoff, So, Captain, let's get Flight 416 in the air. Before Captain,
3: that, before we get our uh, flight together, I just have a little thing to mention tonight about honoring the June 6, 1944, and why we honor this day every year. During the Second World War, Axis troops controlled most of Europe except England. Which always defended itself against the Nazi invader, the Allied leaders Roosevelt and the USA, Churchill in Great Britain, Stalin and USSR chose to open the second front in France and more particularly in Normandy. It is decided that the invasion will take place from England. Hundreds of convoys across the invasion. I'm sorry, across the Atlantic from the United States to land thousands of soldiers and hundreds of tons of equipment in England. England becomes a veritable military camp where thousands of soldiers train and store as much material as possible. June 6, 1944 D-Day, the largest amphibious landing in history began in the early morning hours as Allied forces landed in Normandy on the northern coast of France. Operation Overlord took months of planning and air involved one million five hundred and twenty seven thousand soldiers and forty seven allied divisions, along with forty four hundred ships and landing craft and eleven thousand aircraft. The Germans had about sixty divisions spread along France and the Low Countries. American forces landed on two western beaches, Utah and Omaha while British and Canadian troops landed farther east on Gold, Juneau, and Sword beaches. By the end of the day, 150,000 Allied soldiers and their accompanying vehicles had landed with 15,000 killed and wounded. We just wanted to honor our veterans, and now we'll get back to our program. George, Jen?
4: Eastern 416, you're cleared to the Washington National Airport. Maintain runway heading at 5,000 feet, and you're cleared for takeoff.
5: Yeah, Roger, we're on the roll, runway heading, I think. Atlanta, do you know where a pilot of us today? I'm actually in a trailer here in Dulles International. We will be giving you all the commands to the aircraft from this air-conditioned control room. Pretty cool, wouldn't you say?
4: Actually, I would personally say pretty stupid, but, hey, (laughs) my family's not on board nor will they ever be in a pilotless aircraft. So, you're still cleared for takeoff. Hope you're good under controls, and won't put our tower here in your flight path.
5: Hey, I got a bird's eye view, you guys. Even sitting here in the control central, nothing can go wrong. Go wrong. Go wrong. Go wrong. Go wrong. Go wrong. <laughs>
0: Fly Eastern Airlines, Eastern Airlines, Fly Eastern. You'll love to travel by Eastern where new things are happening. Eastern Fly Eastern Airlines from the ground up. From the ground up, Eastern Services Speedier, by Eastern
6: Airlines, Eastern Airlines. The earliest examples of electronically guided model aircraft were hydrogen filled model airships of the late 19th century. They were flown as a music hall act around the theater auditoriums using a basic form of spark-emitted radio signals. <clears throat> Excuse me. During World War II, the U.S. Army and Navy used radio-controlled planes called radio planes as artillery target drones. There are many types of radio-controlled aircraft. For beginning hobbyists, there are park flyers and trainers. For the more experienced pilots, there are the glow plug engines, electric-powered, and sailplane aircraft. For the expert flyers, jets, pylon racers, helicopters, uh, autogyros, auto 3D aircraft, and high-end competition aircraft provide adequate challenge. Some models are made to look and operate like a bird instead. Replicating historic and little-known types of Uh, and make the full-size aircraft as flying-scale models, which are also possible with we control line and free-type styles of model aircraft actually reach their maximum realism and behavior when built for radio-control flying. Mike.
5: Now let's advance the idea to radio-control model airplane to present-day technology. A race is on to build a fleet of solar powered drones, a beam internet down beaming internet down to the earth beneath them, and the tech tech technicians, Titans I mean, are dominating this case or so we thought. But the Google and Facebook both have dashed their plans roaming to unmanned internet planes, a lesser known company partnering with NASA to bring the project closer to reality, according to the IEE Spectrum Report, which is the Institute of Electrical Electronics Engineers. I had to look that up. As in the Hawk 30, a massive 10-engine drone in the vein of previous UAVs made made by Airbus and solar-powered Odysseus airplanes can fly for months on end, the product of Japanese tech Uh, giant SoftBank, and U.S. drone manufacturer Aero Environment, the Hawk could soon embark on test flights, which launched from Nash's Armstrong Flight Research Center. Jim?
7: Yeah, Mike, before we go much further about the first drone airline, let's see how the military uses the drone and how possibly they could be put into airline service. Since 2007, the RAL, Royal Air Force, has operated 39 squadrons a detachment of five U.S.-built MQ-9 Reaper aircraft at Kandahar Airfield. While America has a sprawling UAV program targeting Islamic militants everywhere from Pakistan to Somalia, the British Reapers have only ever been used as part of the official combat mission against the Taliban over Afghanistan. The vast majority of the 38,500 hours of operations flown by the RAF Reapers have been in intelligence gathering rather than in attacking targets. Most of the 35 RAF Reaper pilots are based at Creech, an airfield near Las Vegas, where they control the aircraft via satellites as they fly over Afghanistan. But there is a two second delay between a pilot moving a joystick in Nevada and an aircraft responding in Afghanistan, and that's enough to cause a crash during takeoff and landing. So the crews in Afghanistan control the launch and recovery part through direct contact with an antenna on the aircraft. Half an hour after takeoff, control of the replay is handed over to a crew in the bottom. Half an hour before landing, it returns to the crews on the ground in Kandahar. Kandahar Airfield is a vast, crowded military camp full of private security contractors and new SUVs, soccer pitches, traffic jams, and the boardwalk. A Midwestern-style town square where the soldiers carrying automatic weapons visit Hogan Yoga outlets and TGI Fridays. <laughs> Far from the prying eyes, the Reaper pilots work in the corner of the airfield behind concrete blast barriers to protect them from sporadic telebound rocket attacks. Their cockpit is full of wires and computer servers. It's a sealed and spotless world without the film of white dust that covers Kandahar Airfield. The crew sits side by side in leather seats as in a conventional aircraft. They're dressed on all-in-one khaki flight suits. The technician fiddles with wires on the bank of hard drives, hopefully keeping it running okay. Carp- off the <clears throat> carpets cover the floor. Apart from the low rumble of the air condition, it is as silent as a cathedral. George. That picture
4: this, Jim. A black and white screen is filled with the featureless landscape of southern Afghanistan's Red Desert. The conventional heads-up display is superimposed on the screen as in an any fighter aircraft, giving the details of altitude and pitch that a pilot needs. But unlike in a conventional aircraft, the pilot can switch the camera view in front of him to see behind or below him. He maneuvers the aircraft with a games console-style joystick. In front of the pilot is a keyboard. Next to him, a telephone. Reaper pilots can make telephone calls or email photographs to operational commanders. They can even go to the laboratory and get a cup of coffee during a flight. A slogan among Reaper pilots is, quote, no comms, no bombs, unquote. The system is wholly dependent on satellite links working. If there's an IT breakdown, the Reaper's lost link program directs it to land at the nearest airbase. Seated next to the pilot, a sensor operator controls a swiveling electronic eyeball on the nose of the Reaper, fitted with infrared sensors for night vision. We could say to troops on the ground, Hey, we saw this guy run out of the compound. He's hiding in the field. Winston, an American former F-16 pilot who has moved to the Reaper, says, we could see headlights and engines that are hot from vehicles that have recently run. If a command wire has been placed across the road, the infrared will show the Earth as a different color where it has been disturbed, and you could save a convoy from driving over an IED. Half an hour earlier, the Internet relay chat, which is a kind of instant messaging, the pilots took control back from the cruise in Nevada at the end of the mission without a word being spoken. The word ready appeared on the screen in front of us, typed by the pilot in Creech. The pilot in front of us replied, ready, ours. Then yours flashed up on the screen, confirming the handover. Tension fills the cabin as pilots line up the Reaper with the runway for landing. No speaking is allowed, since landing the aircraft with its long glider-style wings and lightweight body, requires concentration. Due to sandstorms and 60 knot crosswinds that frequently buffet the aircraft, and the margin of error between a safe landing and a crash is only one degree of pitch. As As the infrared outline of the hot tarmac looms into view on a pilot's screen, there is no sense that the aircraft is descending, nor any jolt as the undercarriage retracts. George,
3: Yes, George. All the sensory instincts a pilot normally uses are missing. He is forced to fly by instruments. Reaper pilots rely on forward-facing camera and see through the soda straw view. As the reaper nears the ground, the pilot calls out the attitude 10-9-8-7-6. The only way we know he has landed is when the altitude reading on the heading head-up display is zero feet. A short walk from the flight cabins are the mess rooms of the huge U.S. Reconnaissance Force Reaper. It's a unit that shares facilities and operations with the RAF. On the wall are children's paintings with messages to daddy and vintage apocalypse, now posters. Small talk is of next week's squadron barbecue. In this US military milieu, the RAF has colonized a corner with Union flag covered lockers and photographs of the Duchess of Cambridge. More startling are the nineteen seventy photographs of a thickly mustached Bert Reynolds mirrored in the upper lip growth of the airman sitting drinking soda. It is the end of a mustache march, an annual USAF contest to grow facial hair for charity. The RAF crews, based at Creech, take their place in a four-month rotation in the launch and recovery unit in Afghanistan. Sitting in the mess, are Oz, a bald middle-aged RAF Reaper pilot, who has flown three tours of duty in the Tornado, and D.J., a former Royal Navy helicopter pilot. Both seem too grizzled to be described as PlayStation warriors. Like these two, all of the RAF Reaper pilots have been trained to fly conventional aircraft, and most have fought in previous wars. These pilots talk of the similarities with manned aircraft although they don't suffer the exhausting effects of G-Force and can't look out of the window. They admit to flinching when they see something coming towards the aircraft.
5: Dorothy, it's irrelevant where you are physically sitting. This attachment, you are attached to the airframe. You're attached to the view that you see, and you're attached to the laws of the armed conflict. He reacts to a cool anger of suggestions that mode of air reduces victims to the status of the players of the video game. It's a bugbear of mine because I have an accusation level that has a Star Wars uh, game. uh, People think it's a Star Wars game. It's anything but. If we act like a Star Wars, there are people in the command center watching us and listening what we do. The taking of human life is something not to be considered lightly. Okay, there are bad guys out there, but we still are human beings. He also bridges, brittles the suggestion that UAVs leave moral judgments, judgments to machines. The plane cannot start, cannot fly, cannot release weapons without us doing it. Human beings are in the cockpit. Exactly the same as I fly a tornado, we just happen to be 8,000 miles away from the plane. The courtly upright American Colonel, uh, Colonel in charge of the Reaper operations, Ghost, arrives just back from a Kandahar military hospital where he was visiting an American soldier shot in the leg on the battlefield. His Reapers provided overwatch while the soldier was evacuated by helicopter. It is common for this squadron to receive text and emails from those who ha- they have protected. A group of Royal Marines. Recently, a trip to Las, had a trip to Las Vegas last year to thank the pilots in person for helping them. We've had humvees break down, Ghost says, and we've provided Overwatch for them. Not, on, not, you're not only going to get the good night, it's, you can't get a good night's sleep in, in, over in the desert area normally. But if you have a Reaper overhead that's watching over you, you, you then you can. Afghanistan has been an ideal conflict for the Reaper. Unlike conventional fast jets, which provide international uh, intelligence to the troops on the ground for short periods before they have to refuel, the Reaper can stay in the air for 18 hours. It can stream real-time video feeds, troops for the duration of a skirmish, allowing them to. Tal the, see the Taliban's troops in in the positions for their lap on their positions for their on their laptops. Correction, and if they are required to fulfill their order, the major role of killing Taliban forces judged by immediate threat. They can circle for hours above the compound or village, waiting for a confined sighting in the open for their target before dispatching one of their laser-guided Hellfire missiles. These Taliban fighters won't even know what they've been, that they have been being watched from about 15,000 feet. The Reapers usually fly too high to be seen or heard. Jim. Yeah, Mike. Stories fell out of the pilots. A British vehicle was
7: disabled and the troops had to leave it. I said the Taliban showed up in numbers and we provided overwatch for them for hours while they, the British troops, withdrew. They were able to withdraw without the fear of being overrun. Sometimes the threat of force isn't enough, DJ says. We got called in because U.S. Marines were under fire and were pinned down. We prosecuted, that's uh, military jargon for killed, two chaps that broke their fire. The other four scampered allowing the Marines to withdraw. The Reaper pilots insist that their high-resolution cameras, as well as the long periods they can stay airborne, give them more time to weigh decisions before the weapons are actually fired. On a fast jet, because of the speed you're coming in at, you don't have the fuel and time to hang around. But we can sit on top of this thing for hours at a time, or said. We have the luxury to pick up the phone and say, look, something just doesn't look right here. George? Yeah,
4: Jim, this recently happened when the
7: uh, Royal Air
4: Force Reaper pilots saw what they thought were Taliban insurgents preparing to fire. But something didn't make any sense. These guys seemed a bit too casual, so we checked for a longer period of time. As soon as these guys hit the road, they suddenly went into tactical column, and we realized they were Afghan National Army. They weren't the best disciplined troops until their sergeant was looking at them. The luxury we have is that we can just sit there and say, well, you know what, we'll just wait, to, wait this out for a few more minutes. The mantra that the Reaper pilots repeat is, quote, zero expectations of civilian casualties, unquote. They are forbidden to attack buildings if there are women and children in the area, and they avoid targeting property. In Afghanistan village life, Taliban fighters are never far away from women and children, as you might imagine. In internal reporting, the Royal Air Force has dropped the term compound, because it obscures the simple true, true, truth that these are houses. As one senior commander told me, we're trying to get into the guy's heads. That is not compound number 28, it's 34 uh, Acadia Drive, so you don't hit it. According to Oz, we'll spend hours watching some guy. There have been plenty of times when I've had a clearly identified enemy combatant under my crosshairs and haven't been able to fire at him because he's in a village and there are civilians around him. If there's any doubt, we won't fire. Apart from the tragedy of wounding or killing an innocent civilian, it plays straight into the hands of the enemy for propaganda. It's a double whammy. You have to wait for your opportunity. Dorothy?
3: It is curious that civilian casualties from drone strikes receive so much attention, while those caused by conventional attack aircraft Whose pilots are also miles away from their targets or overlooked. But this is because anti drone campaigners doubt the MOD's estimate of civilian casualties. Reapers has, as of September of this year, fired their weapons 319 times and killed four civilians in total since they started operating in Afghanistan, according to the MOD. These civilians died along with two Taliban insurgents when two picked-up trucks carrying explosives were targeted by an RAF Reaper and Hellman. A military investigation include, concluded that this attack had been in accordance with correct procedures and U.K. rules of engagement. Campaigners complained that the System for Counting Civilian Casualty is flawed because it relies on villagers in remote parts of Afghanistan making the effort to report deaths to coalition forces. They also complain more generally about the secrecy around the REAPER program, which fuels distrust. Only 40% of drone strikes have been revealed in official RAF operational updates, the others remain classified and there are no figures of how many insurgents have been killed. The deliberately vague term includes Taliban and al-Qaeda. The MOD attributes this to the need to not let their enemy know exactly how it is being targeted and to difficulties in collecting information for an accurate body count. The length of deployment for Reaper pilots split between short stints in Kandahar and three years in Nevada means that they have more experience of the war in Afghanistan than many of the soldiers on the ground. The terrain and the pattern of life in the villages they watch for suspicious changes become as familiar as those of their hometowns. Often they observe a building for their whole shift and come back the next day to watch the same deserted building for another eight hours.
2: Well, does it get boring, Winston, a U.S. Reaper pilot admits? Honestly, the answer is yes. You may get information that the unit is going into an area in three days, and you're told, don't, make, don't take your eyes off that building, so you will fly in a circle for eight-hour shifts looking at it, four hours, and somebody walks in or walks out. You're looking at it. You have no idea who it is but somebody is watching the feed. The audience of the drone feed can include troops on the ground, commanders in Afghanistan, intelligence analysis thousands of miles away. At a time like this, we find ways to relieve the boredom. You try and find humorous things. You see kids getting into fights, or you watch that, or traffic jams where some guy moves his goat across the road and people get upset. The stress of constant operation and long shifts abate the rest for a rest break has led to the fear of burnout among Reaper pilots. The most limitless demand for overwatch creates a huge workload. Every stream, every suspicious-looking building on a convoy route is checked for IEDs or the potential ambush by Reapers before troops can go on patrol. The usual pattern of war fighting is to spend four months in a war zone before returning home. But Reaper pilots at their base in Nevada are commuter warriors. They work five days a week. They drive home to their families at the end of their shift. A tour of duty from them can last for years. This changing tempo of war is taking a toll on pilots, even though they're not themselves in harm's way. According to a survey, By the Air Force School of Aerospace Medicine, nearly half of the operators of UAVs have high levels of operational stress caused by long hours and extended tours of duty. Mike?
5: Yes, Chuck. For that reason, the RAF is moving some pilots uh, from three years in Nevada back to three years on the operations in the new Reaper Control Center in Britain, where they will also pilot reapers over afghanistan according to squadron leader a squadron leader several there were several uh, several years experience flying the reaper uh... correction yeah, six years six years of permanent ops on something that we're going to have to pay great attention to the chronic fatigue has become an issue the effort on the pilots of this strange new state being simultaneously at home and at war, has not yet been tested. About 4% of the U.S. UAV operators have developed post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, which some have attributed to the fact that the powerful cam- cameras show close-up footage of the targets of drone strikes after they have been killed. These The cameras are good, OZ says. A Hellfire missile... Does, a significant, has, does have significant effects on the human body, and should, you should get used to seeing that. If you can't accept it, you are in the wrong job. But the weirdest thing for me with my background as a fast jet pilot is the concept of getting, in, getting up in the morning, driving my kids to school, and killing people. That does take a bit of getting used to. For the young guys and the newer guys, this can be an eye-opener. At sunset at Kandahar, we walk on the flight line to see the angular, insect-like reapers close up. Two of the RAF reapers, distinguishable by RAF roundels, are being refueled and armed and Hellfire laser-guided missiles installed before being sent out again after only two hours from their last mission. This is only a small fraction of the reapers as we, uh, we have here. The rest are in the air. Ghost says, the Reapers are sleek, shark gray, about the size of a light aircraft, a Cessna, or a missile, with a missile, as some of us fast jet pilots like to call them. They are so compact, they do not need systems to support human air, no it doesn't need an air system, or pilot's instruments, or an ejector seat. If the Reaper is shot down or crashes, the taxpayers close loses tens of millions compared to the hundreds of millions of a conventional that a conventional jet can cost and they never risk losing the pilot or being killed or captured. Jim?
7: Yeah, Mike, it is a frequent criticism that the Reapers work well in Afghanistan where there is no air force and no accurate surface to air missiles, but in a conventional war these slow, fragile aircraft would be easy to shoot down. Though fast jets such as a tornado cannot stay airborne for as long, they can travel long distances more quickly. If troops are under fire at the far side of Afghanistan, the battle is likely to be over way before RePA arrives on the scene. Nor would Reaper's farewell in colder, wetter, and I assume foggy weather. Also, the high rate of UAVs is a matter of concern to military planners. The figures are difficult to verify, but the U.K. Drone War website run by anti-drone campaigners and using imperfect information has recorded 14 drone crashes so far in 2012. This is, a, this is an older report. The Los Angeles Times estimated in 20 that 38 Reaper and Predator UAVs have been lost in Afghanistan and Iraq. By 2030, the RAF estimates a third of the force will be unmanned aircraft. For an MOD report, quote, the UK approach to unmanned aircraft systems then, quote, predicts, Unmanned aircraft will eventually take over most or all of the tasks currently undertaken by manned systems, end quote. The expensive F-35B Lightning II fighter currently on order will be, it predicts, the last RAF fighter with a pilot in the air. UAV technology under development sounds like science fiction. From B-sized nano drones that can fly through windows to nuclear firewood drones that can fly for weeks without refueling. Even if these wilder plans never see the light of the day, the MOD has been funding the development of Tyrannos. This is a long-range jet-powered UAV-attacked aircraft that will be able to fly across continents. The moral question overshadowing UAVs is whether their use trivializes the business of killing. According to the report, quote, armed drones and the PlayStation Mentality, end quote, by Chris Cole, who is the director of Zone Wars website. He says, young military personnel raised on a diet of video games now kill real people remotely using joysticks, far removed from the human consequences of their actions. How will this generation of fighters value the right to life? Don.
6: Yeah, Jim, it does, however, seem uh, possible that risk free long distance strikes using UAVs okay. could insulate the Western public from the human toll of war. If we can kill with such ease while protecting Western lives and avoiding the cost of de- deploying troops, what will the bar be lower for government? To to make war already the creep towards a permanent state of war via drone strike can be seen this year alone the administration has conducted drone strikes against al-Qaeda and its allies in Afghanistan Libya Yemen Pakistan and Somalia the military defense of candid- candid- candidly warns of these dangers is this report, quote, We must ensure that removing some of the horror, or at least keeping it at a distance, we do not risk losing our controlling humanity and make war more likely, these, uh, these speculations become even more complex with the Frankenstein fear that as UVAs become more advanced, they will be able to launch to weapons without human input. There is a danger in incremental and involuntary journey towards the, the Terminator-like reality. That's what the paper warns, and Britain must quickly establish a policy on what will constitute acceptable machine behavior.
2: Hold on. Drones deliver death out of a clear blue sky. Victims will not have known their fate for more than a fraction of a second. Most of the time, they won't even have heard the reaper's engines. It's possible such powerful weapons will hand the propaganda victory to those who are targeted against. At some point, military planners will have to face these issues. But for the moment, the public is more likely to be swayed by the belief shared by everyone on the ground in Afghanistan, that the Reapers have saved lives of hundreds of British troops. For the pilots, misgivings over a new weapon changing the nature of war are nothing new. On the flight line to Kandahar, D.J. was about to shout over the whine of a fully loaded Reaper about to take off for another long mission. He is dismissive of the gas surrounding the unmanned aircraft. This goes back centuries, when it was the sword versus sword, and somebody started slinging an arrow over their head to the enemy. Every time there was an advancement in military hardware, the other side says, are you playing fair, George?
4: Yeah, after hearing uh, the military version of drones and how they're used, we come to the 50-cent question, how it could possibly be used in commercial aviation. Even your, back, your backyard Best Buy store hobby model of a drone, you might be required to have an FAA certificate to operate. Let's take a look at what requirements are for recreation, recreational and commercial use of a drone. The FAA uh, aeronautical knowledge test is a way to get a license for business or larger scale hobby flying and costs $150 to take. These tests are given at FAA-approved knowledge testing centers, typically on or near local airports. The test consists of 60 or more multiple-choice questions and requires significant study on current FAA regulations, weather issues, being able to read sectional charts, and other ground and aviation knowledge. This kind of sounds like uh, something they used to give you the answers to ahead of time. To get a small U unmanned aircraft system pilot license, you need to be at least 16 years old. The license is only needed to use if flying for commercial purposes. To fly a drone as a hobby. Assuming the drone weighs a half a pound, between a half a pound and 55 pounds, you need to be only 13 years old and have it registered with the FAA. Any drone that weighs less than half a pound is considered a toy. How about one weighing 500,000 pounds? Getting my toy drone stuck in a tree is not my (laughs) least favorite thing, but it's definitely up there. Jim? Oh, me. Oh,
7: me, oh, me, oh, me, me. Do we have time for some uh, few drone jokes, George? Sure, why not? A couple I have. Yeah, let's have it. I heard the grocery store meat department, that's meat departments, plural, many of them, or starting drone delivery But customers think it's risky It's a high stakes Situation and I need to spell <laughs> that out S P E A K S
0: Well <I did. laughs> Now
7: yesterday there's another one, listen up Yesterday I killed a <laughs> I killed a pair of pigeons With an unmanned flying device You should say I killed Two birds with one drone <laughs> that, that, that gets a double Ugh I heard it. I heard it really didn't take off.
6: <laughs> End of
0: story. <laughs>
6: hey, I got a couple more for you guys. Amazon drones got approved for commercial delivery in Virginia, locally known as skeet shooting with prizes. <laughs> One more here um, What do you call it when the police shoot down Your cocaine A <laughs> crackdown. Oh my god This is terrible
0: uh,
6: is there, I have something to say uh, I have something to uh, Throw it out there to you guys <clears throat> Excuse me What would it be like or What would it have been like In World War Two If this technology was available then
3: yeah, uh,
7: been a world of change hmm.
1: yeah. Interesting
6: huh?
7: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah mm. Well what do you guys think you think passengers will one day Fly Without a pilot It looks are like, yeah. Commercial oh, yeah. aircraft oh, yeah. I know oh, Boeing it's, yeah.
3: it's heading did, that did way you, for sure
1: Did you see I that don't boy,
7: think we'll live. We'll leave to see it though
1: well, did it's you way see is designing an
7: airplane one it is.
1: Cool.
3: Things are moving pretty fast, if you ask me.
2: Yep. I mean, you yeah. got to realize that the planes today, uh, except for maybe the takeoff and landings, they're, they're a drone. They fly themselves. Well, well, just before I left U.S.
4: Airways, what they were advocating was you take a off manually at 300 feet, you throw on the autopilot, and don't shut it off until you stop
7: at the end of the runway at your destination. No kidding. Yeah.
2: Wow. Well, how yeah. do
7: it. know there's a squall line out there about 300 miles?
2: Well,
4: it doesn't, but uh, <laughs> you know, that's, I guess that's why you need a pilot. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, Jim, you, you saw it. We all saw it coming on the uh, Eastern MEC when they went to the 757 with two pilots. I mean, if you recall, we fought and got three, but then uh, some of the uh, other airlines at that year's BOD meeting caved in, and uh, the rest is history. That's why you have uh, every aircraft today that's manufactured with two pilots.
2: Did
0: you? Yeah.
4: say the 757 or the 737? No, the 75. Hmm. If you recall, Eastern Seven was the lead.
7: Yeah, we yeah. yeah. Yeah, we had to me. yeah, yeah. We had a full mm-hmm. flight engineer panel on there and everything. Oh man, <laughs> took it you out. Yeah. Well, I know we fought the battle and lost it on the seven thirty-seven way back when United flew them with two pilots. No, no, United United flew,
4: United flew them with three. Uh, Piedmont mm-hmm. flew them with two, but that yeah, was that's prior. Piedmont, that was prior yeah. to the seven five. Oh yeah. yeah, way before. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Yeah. Well, from six eyes in the cockpit looking out, come down to four, now we we may be down to two eyes, and
2: um, might be and down to a camera
1: zero eye with that rotating ball that we talked about earlier in this this yeah. show. So hard to, to believe. Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, I have a little ball underneath the airplane doing all the looking.
3: I don't know. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's one thing sending uh, bombs or uh, planes that have a cognizance. It's another thing to put real people in a plane without a pilot because, like everything else, computers can and do go wrong. They can be hacked also. Yeah.
4: Well, I think, I believe the most interesting part of the show tonight was the uh, the, the moral – a responsibility on a part of somebody who, you know, is thousands of miles away, pushes a button and winds up killing people. I mean, it,
0: right.
4: it, it's right. it's got to weigh heavily on your conscience and everything. I mean, it's just yeah. it's 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 unheard. It's terrible, you know.
3: Well, when well you look here's back at history. You wonder what happened when they had the uh, Nagasaki uh, bomb, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Hiroshima,
1: Hir- Hiroshima. Hiroshima. yeah. Well, here's uh, an interesting note. Consumer and business drones use brings with it privacy concerns. Many models have attachable cameras, regulatory issues, and concerns about the skill level of amateur pilots. Although the drones have been done quite a bit of good in the world as well, such as disaster recovery, and delivery of goods and that type of thing. Still, things do go awry. Here are 17 drone disasters that I just found on the Internet contributing to public awareness. Drone crashes near White House. Drone attack on German Chancellor Angela Merkel. Drone cuts off tip of photographer's nose.
0: Drone injures
1: Australian triathlete. Drone injures bystanders in a Virginia crowd. Drone flies too close to a news helicopter. Drone nearly crashes into an Airbus A320. A drone caught carrying drugs near the border. Drone flies over Bank of America Stadium. A drone flies over Commercial Park. Drone crashes into Grand Prismatic Spring, wherever that is. A drone is attacked by a hawk.
7: Oh, gee. Who won that battle? <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: yeah.
1: A pilot looks crashes, like crashes hawk, a drone. Too. A pilot crashes a drone at drone safety demonstration meeting.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: a chimpanzee attacks a drone with a tree branch. <laughs>
0: you know, may, maybe,
4: maybe what we should do, Neil, is change the term of people who are operating drones from the word pilot. I mean, there are no more pilots than somebody who's never, you know, gotten inside an aircraft.
1: Yeah, that might Hmm. be a good idea, George. Let's work on it.
4: Three more I got
1: for you. A drone crashes into the Seattle Space Needle. (laughs) Oh, God. But eagle sure have
3: to be very educated.
1: Yeah. An eagle attacks a drone. And finally, a drone crashes through the fifth-story window and hits a man in the head. Oh, man. Do any of you guys out there own a drone?
7: I Not do. Drone. You do? Well, uh, I my cherished younger son gave me a drone for Christmas two years ago, and that was a total disaster. I crashed it. Everybody crashed it. And this guy down at Seven Lakes Airport, where my hangar is, he claimed that he could fly anything, and he's a light airplane pilot. And he took off in that drone, and he crashed it, and that was the end of It It had about five crashes, but that expert, it totaled it. So I don't know. They got a long way to go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I looked up on the Internet the largest drone right now that is being used is Four hundred and uh, no, seven hundred and forty-seven pounds reminded me of a Boeing seven forty-seven. Mm. Seven hundred forty-seven pounds, and it can lift five hundred pounds. That's a mm. pretty good-sized drone, yeah.
2: Isn't and, Amazon uh, or one of those using drones to deliver packages?
1: I think so. Even pizzas,
2: yeah. Pizza. <laughs> Well, is there somebody? Is there somebody
7: watching where that thing comes in? Because all these houses around here have trees and bushes. I mean, he can go to the address; they can program in the address. But once he gets there, there's trees and bushes all over the place. They got to have somebody <laughs> watching where the drone <laughs> is going. Or maybe or maybe I'm just not don't yeah. have the big picture. Well, I just I thought of something. With, I fish with a guy
4: who. If he's not catching any fish, he has a drone, and he sends it up past the boats around him to see if anybody else is catching fish. And if they are, he moves over there.
1: Well, can't you use it to spot fish too, George?
2: Sure, you can. Yep.
1: Yeah,
6: that's yep. like that's like having a fifty-foot tuna tower.
2: Yep, that's right. <laughs> One of the things that they had on the TV here a while back is the uh, police department were, were using drones to locate people who were missing, you know, they, they got lost. Mm-hmm. And uh, and also they also have these drones that uh, the, the people that they think uh, are drowned in lakes and stuff because a drone can get down to about maybe a foot or two foot off the water of, of these lakes and they can go over the whole lake, you know, a lot faster than taking a boat and running around. And most of the lakes that you can you can see at least, down into the water you might not be able to see to the bottom so that's one of the good things that they're using drones for but like you said uh, it's a long way to go yeah
1: Yeah. Uh, well that's a good discussion about drones and uh, thank you very much our guest uh, hosts for tonight's show were Dorothy Gagnon and Don Gagnon in the villages and Chuck Albright is right there also and George Jen up in Long Island, New York, and Jim Holder in the Atlanta area. Uh, Mike Scott, you're up there on Long Island, too, I believe. And we sure appreciate uh, uh, you being with us for the uh, show tonight. So I've got – that's about it. Dorothy, you've got anything else to add to our show?
3: Yes, uh, I would. Um, I just want to remind members that uh, donations of $40 or more will entitle them to receive a copy of your book, Wings of Many, free along with the free model of the Eastern 737 with your donation. We have a select number of this Eastern model 737 aircraft with stand as it was donated to us by an anonymous investor of Eastern Airlines Group Incorporated. We are thankfully Investor was so kind to donate this for our Eastern members and a way to keep on going the Eastern Airlines memory in the public eye. And, Dorothy,
1: they are beautiful models, beautiful models. Yes,
3: it's beautiful. We love ours. I'm sure others will, but as I said, we only have a select few, so whoever sends the donation first obviously will get it and, Once we run out, unfortunately, there is none left that we can do. But um, all contributions, will get one as far as we can go. And that money is going back into the EAL radio show broadcast and our website. Uh, We want to keep the legacy of Eastern Airlines going with the EAL radio show broadcast, and your donations support our efforts. And you can donate by clicking the donation icon icon below on our website. It's on the home page, and you can use PayPal or your credit card. Uh, With that being said, a member, uh, his his or her name is A.R. Daniels, and they sent us a payment this week of $40 as a donation. So Neil will be sure to... Uh, get those items out to him in the mail or her in the mail. And also we want to thank him immensely for helping out our legacy. Uh, we desperately want to keep it going. We try very hard, and we do thank all of our hosts tonight for being with us because without them it would be just a few of us trying to do the work of many. Uh, we want to thank Reeper again for their sponsorship and other members who contributed to keeping our program going and the legacy of Eastern in the public eye. Remember, too, that Reaper's first annual reunion is September 4th to the 6th, Wednesday to Friday, 2019, at the Embassy Suites Hotel in Kennesaw, Georgia. Now, more... Hey, Dorothy, if, can I yes.
7: say something real quick here?
3: Sure can. Uh,
7: today, this very day, I mailed our... Uh, the uh, registration form in to, uh For Carrie and I To attend the reunion And uh, it starts Like you said on the 3rd and 4th And we hope everyone's Listening You don't have to be a member of REPA. We let anybody come that wants to And look forward to people coming And I know Mike Scott's coming Because I told him I was going to buy him a beer now, we just got to see if he beers. <laughs> two beers. Two beers. Yeah. Two beers. Okay. Now, Jim, uh, am, I
3: incorrect I in on, <laughs> am I incorrect in saying it's on the 4th and the 5th?
7: No, it's when the 3rd the and the 4th, isn't it? I, I
3: thought I, it was 4th and the 5th. I'll check it before oh, the end of the show. Oh, yeah, software. check
7: it out. But uh, I got confused myself, to be honest with you. I had to send a message to Johnny Steinmetz, and he said it was the 3rd and the 4th and go home to 6th. Uh, two nights, two nights, and okay, uh, something else okay. I was going to say, what was it? Hold on, let me think, let me think. Oh, yeah, yes. I know what it was. Uh, I have had seven repartee magazines return, and Neil, you know what I'm talking about, whether the address is bad or whatever. Yeah. And unfortunately, yeah. I think most of them are unfortunately uh, widows of, uh, you know, the pretty high up in the age category. And even a couple of pilots that we think may have died and we're trying to find out if the Jerry Frost is looking on this computer. Uh, one of them being Edward, uh, Watson to find out if they died and nobody told us. So I've got extra mm. magazines at the gazoo. And if, uh, these magazines that came back, if anybody wants to, uh, get a 2019 repartee magazine and, uh, I know the editor real well, and I can tell you it's a wonderful magazine. Oh, it's oh, beautiful. Boy.
5: <laughs> uh, I'll take an extra one.
7: <laughs> oh, just send me your, uh, Mike, you've got your address. I'll send you another one. And
5: okay. if anybody
7: else wants one, just uh, send me your mailing address, and old Jim Holder will get you one first class in the mail. Give us the Thank email, you.
1: Jim Holder. Give us the email.
7: My email address? is <laughs> Roadhog. Roadhog, Roadhog. Now, now, someday I'll tell you where I got Roadhog, but I won't bore you tonight. Roadhog thirty-seven at Comcast dot net. Roadhog thirty-seven. Say it again. Roadhog thirty-seven at Comcast dot net. That'll get you a free issue of the Repartee magazine. Well, let's okay, check. I'll okay. Of okay.
1: okay.
3: There you go. Also, Jim, I just looked it up on your website, and Reaper website says. Under the reunion, September 4th to the 6th, Wednesday through Friday. Oh,
7: God. Oh, Lord, don't tell me. We've got it wrong.
3: <laughs> that's what it said on the Reaper website, so you better check it out. <laughs> oh, God. Oh,
7: boy.
0: But one
3: one, more, the one more note before we uh, go back. To <laughs> well, our I'm going to look at my calendar. Up. I'm
7: going to get my that's,
5: calendar. That's what I got. Okay. I guarantee you'll be right.
3: Would you please? Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, I uh, just a note from one of our members uh George Wilson uh, he would like to uh, know this answer if anybody does pilot information on his grandfather who flew for Eastern in the nineteen fifties The name was john John Robert Wilson. And I'd like to have more information about him and his flying for Easton. If anyone has any information, I have his email address. I'd be happy to send you if you send it to host at ealradioshow.com and I'll send you the information to reach George. Um, okay. Go. go ahead. Let me
7: get that old Jim Holder back here. Uh, I, I see you're right. All you guys are right. What happened was that <laughs> the board, <laughs> listen to this the board is going down, is going up on the third
0: oh, uh, okay. to be
7: ready to start. To, we got to go the night, the day before to be get everything ready. That's what it is. I,
0: okay.
7: uh, no uh, you're going to dot me five days' pay. I don't care. There, <laughs> then people come in on the fourth and the fifth and go home on the sixth, and that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, and, Jim, I'm. Um, Hoping that I can get Peggy to go up with me, and um, hopefully, we'll be able to. I, I hope you do too. And, I hope you do too. And if I come, bring the microphones of the there. EAL radio show with us. So, once we, again, yeah, you can be see.
3: <laughs> we just uh, had nice news that uh, Peggy's coming home on Thursday, so we're all so delighted. Uh, the the mighty, night line,
7: night. mighty fine. Peggy.
3: Mighty Great. fine. Great. And one more thing, Uh, our next show, uh, episode 417, is June 10th, and it's Eastern Family Hobbies. And we'll have our other new ones for the end of June being posted shortly. Back to you, Neil.
1: Yeah, and don't forget, we've got, uh, I think, the 13th of this month. We're starting back a series that uh, Don and I really enjoy doing,
0: and oh, that's, yeah, uh, that's the right.
1: EAL old time radio series. We started off with um with um oh, oh golly, uh Hop Harrigan and uh we've done uh, the big band series, we've done the twenties, the thirties, the forties, the fifties and sixties, and now Don I think we're up to the seventies and the eighties. Um, the- yeah. <laughs> so, We're having fun, and uh, I know when I listen to these songs, and uh, Don gives the history of the song and the artist, recording artist, it's a lot of fun, and we try to put together along with the music, uh, we also try to put along with it the history of Eastern Airlines uh, during those years. So it's a lot of fun to do.
3: That'll be episode 23, Neil, on June 13th at 3.30 p.m. on a Thursday.
1: Three o'clock. It's a lot of fun. We did really have a
3: good time. Three
1: thirty. Yeah, it's a lot. Not a call-in show. It's just there to entertain, and uh, we enjoy giving a little he- history of Eastern and the music. So um, uh, we haven't done that in, uh, I think, uh, since Peggy's been uh, out of service there at, uh, at the health center. So. Uh, Uh, We're looking forward to starting it up again the 13th, and then we'll be doing alternating with the Eastern Files from the Eastern Files. That was fun to do. We still plan to do that as well. Uh, Any new members, Dorothy?
3: Um, Just the the one that I uh, just mentioned uh, would be right. And that's that's it for today.
1: Very good. And we um, look forward to Another uh, good show, a good hobby show. I hope no one comes up with the hobby of drones next week. (laughs) (laughs) We heard enough about drones this show. So uh, we've got some good shows. very, very
3: interesting, Neil, though. I I really enjoyed it because, you know, you hear so much about it. You kind of like to be apprised of it all.
2: Yeah. What we could do, uh, Neil, is we could pre-program the show. And then you'd open up the show and say, this is our new drone show, and you'd play it, and we'd all listen to it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess we could. <laughs> well, it's been a lot of fun today and uh, tonight. And and thanks, everyone, for listening, uh, especially those people who to us in, in places like Somalia, which I identified this week, uh, a listener there. And we've had uh, Thailand and uh, New Zealand and uh, all around the world. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, we've got uh, about it's 50 really countries great. around the world that uh, have tuned us in, and I hope they understand English. And uh, but but uh, we are getting out there, and the main thing is getting keeping the name of Eastern Airlines out there. That's the, that's our primary goal. So we sure work very hard.
3: hard. Keep it out there, guys.
1: We're going to land this airplane right now. All
2: righty. Landing, Captain. Wherever you are. Now, how am I going to say that if you have no pilot flying the plane? <laughs> You're going to tune in again next Monday. Wherever
6: you
5: work.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Where um, <are> you? <laughs> uh, June 10th, America's favorite way to fly returns to the cyber ways, and the radio show talks about peanut money, and model airplanes, and Elvis Presley, and food, and yes, even drones, much more than we opened up about our hobbies and collections. And be with us, share, your, share this, and we sign off by playing a little ditty made popular by champagne music man himself, Lawrence Wells, and that's the one...
1: Let's say good night. Good night.
5: All right. Good night, Eastern. remember, round. round round is the shape. <laughs>
1: okay. I love
3: you. <laughs> we love you, <laughs> Eastern. Good show. Excellent. Good
1: show, guys. Thanks good a lot.
3: Thanks for all your work, <laughs>
0: Good night, folks. Good night. <laughs>